Hey guys, it's Chris Williams saying thank you to Mechdyne. Who is Mechdyne? I was asking the same thing just a couple of months ago, and then I met some people who work for this fantastic company that is based out of Marshalltown. It was started by Iowa State graduates who are now hardcore Cyclone fanatics over 22 years ago. Mechdyne is not only the premier audiovisual and IT service provider in central Iowa, but also around the globe, doing business in six of seven continents. They'll bring that global expertise along with local support to help you implement AV technology for conference rooms, classrooms, auditoriums, sports venues, or really just about anywhere you want technology that actually works the way you want it to. So check them out today at mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Hey, Fanatics, it's Chris Williams here wanting to tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart. Did you know they moved into that new location? It's located at 156th and Hickman, still in Clive. What does this mean for you? Well, there's a beautiful new showroom. It's got all of your appliances, your audio and video needs, flooring needs, top-of-the-line appliances. I actually, wife and I bought a couple of those LG washer and dryers from there. We love them. Flooring, they did our floor. Lowest price in town, guaranteed. They've doubled their warehouse capacity. That means more in-stock items than ever. Come out and see the store in Clive. Meet with their highly trained and friendly sales staff. Whether you're updating your current home, building a new one, Nebraska Furniture Mart has what you're looking for. Head on out. See my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. You'll be very happy that you did. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmey, board certified and sports fellowship trained orthopedic sports medicine physician and surgeon at McFarland Clinic in Ames. As an official team physician for the Iowa State Cyclones, I really enjoy the opportunity to work with athletes here in my hometown. My colleagues, Dr. Buck, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all levels, including sports injury evaluation and treatment, arthroscopy, surgery, stem cells, and PRP treatment. Don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones! It's time to start the new year in a new Chevy at Iowa's number one dealer for all brands, Carl Chevrolet. Right now we have huge discounts on all new Chevrolet models. Get up to 24% off a new Chevrolet or 0% for 72 months on select models for qualified buyers when financed through GM Financial. Plus, with the largest inventory of new Chevrolet models in Iowa, over 2,100, the selection has never been better to choose from. And with more incentives on new Chevys than any other dealer in the area, let us be your dealer for life at Carl Chevrolet. Find new roads and experience why more Iowans drive a Chevy from Carl Chevrolet or find details and pricing online 24 hours a day at carlchevrolet.com. Carl Chevrolet, I-35, exit 90 in Ankeny at The Rock. Your dealer for life, Carl Chevrolet. Fourteen sixty KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now as we head north to Whiskey River and Ankeny for the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne. Now here are your hosts, Jared Stansberry, Brent Bloom, and Chris Williams. Oh, it's uh, the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Program, powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three FM, as well as fourteen sixty KXNO AM. What's up? 
Brent. Do you know? Yeah. So do you know the history of 106.3 in Des Moines? I don't. Can I give you a little history yeah, lesson? Give, give me a history lesson. So back in my day, so when I was at Iowa State, which is 03 to 07, this was a hip hop rap station. Seriously? I swear to you. So man, this they thing, went hard pivot to the all. Well, so what happened was this station, which it was KDRB at the time. It's there's it's a long history. It it started cannibalizing KKDM, which is 107.5 start taking listeners away say so we can't have that because they didn't want to have listeners being taken away from their own big station because right. kkdm's like that who are the big dogs um but yeah so it's played i mean so 03 to 07 right so you're talking a lot of twista ja a lot of ja rule yeah i mean a lot of ashanti um dirt off your shoulders jay-z was a big one but so it 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 took all the listeners away so they switched to like an adult contemporary this is they did like twice so that adult contemporary was Capital 106.3, which was KPTL, and they played John. It was like John Mayer all the time. Right? <laughs> like it was, your body is a wonderland on repeat. It went to a Christmas station for a short time, and then finally like all year uh, for like two months, and then uh, and then it went to Alt. So it's had a long, a long distinguished now it's cakes and so it's try a little bit of everything. But yeah, I, I thought it was the coolest thing in 03 when Des Moines got a hip hop. Uh, R&B station. Well, we do have a hip-hop and R&B station. It's not. I don't think it's under the iHeart. It's not. Anymore, it's not. So. But, but KDRB 106.3 was the original. Wow. Yeah. The OG. It was the That's OG. That's what they should have called I'm, it. it <laughs> trying to think what else. A lot of genuine. I mean, genu genuine, some genuine in there. Uh, but I just remember it's Twist the Slow Jams with Kanye and Jamie Foxx on repeat Man. on that thing. Jamie Foxx was an R&B guy. On today's program, we will talk about more than the history of 106.3. <laughs> which I haven't heard that at all from the people. I wanted to represent the Cyclone Fanatic show showing up on the on the FM dial for the first time in uh, in the history of the company. I do believe uh, we're going to talk a little hoops here, and then to close the program, I did an interview today with Central softball coach George Ware. So anybody who's listened to the Sports Fanatics from Four to six most days. Then, you know, you've you've probably heard of Coach Wares. You've heard from Coach Wares, very successful uh, coach at the Division three level. And we Hall talked, of Famer. yeah, Hall of Famer at the Division three level. We just talked a little bit about uh, coaching in in 2020 and how athletes have changed, mental toughness, those kinds of things. Some things I think that anybody who likes sports will probably find a little bit interesting. Hopefully, Brent Bloom will still have hands by the time <laughs> that uh, by the time the show ends. Some di technical difficulties. Bloom's basically yeah. the connection for the entire. Show manual right labor. Yeah, you didn't know you were gonna no. show up and have to like lift I'm, weights today. I'm uh, charging Williams workers comp for this. <laughs> Nobody has a good attorney. When you have to have carpal tunnel surgery, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> My jump shot's broken now. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it was ever fixed to begin with. Uh, I'm you, just gonna you, be honest you, with you. Uh, well, you will. Back in the day, my friend. All right, fair enough. Uh, we do want to give a sh quick shout out to our friends at Carl Chevrolet. If you're looking to buy a new pre-owned vehicle. Check them out, CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com, exit 90 at The Rock in Ankeny. Bloomer, the Cyclones got a big win Tuesday night over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And, you know, I, I was listening to the podcast from yesterday's episode of, of the Sports Fanatics, and they are talking to the godfather, John Walters, mm -hmm. and he, you know, he talked about how must-win maybe is a little bit sure. over overused. Sure. Uh, I can understand his point, but if, if nothing, that was a – much needed win for the Cyclones uh, against Oklahoma State. For sure, I mean, because you're 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 staring at a bunch of things, which is you know a poor start to the conference plus the week coming up, and it's like, will this ever get easier schedule wise? And it will. Right. It's just after these next couple of games, and 
you know, Iowa State played well. I mean, and they fought through some things. So they had a you know near double digit lead in the first half, and Oklahoma State rallies and takes the lead, and then Iowa State takes it back. And the second half got a little dicey there. Iowa State got way too turnover prone, which is weird right. for them because it's not a team. Turned you know, it over tw- uh, thirty nine times in the last two yeah, games. which is strange because it, it's not a team this year. You mm-hmm. know, you think well, they haven't been ba- they haven't been very good at a lot of things. Well, they've actually taken decent care of the basketball, and for whatever reason, they just went into a stretch there where they just kept turning it over, but then rallied and found a way to win, and, you know, I think in the last couple of years at Hilton, when things get dicey, I think the confidence really, it's almost like the pressure got to even last year's team. Yeah. It's like we can't let all these people down, and last on Tuesday, it was a good time of, you know, Oklahoma State made a couple of runs, and credit them, I thought Oklahoma State played pretty well. You yeah. know, I, I saw a lot of stuff, well, that's a garbage basketball team, that, their they, offense isn't very good. It, it isn't. It isn't. But when uh, Dezagua and Waters Waters are making shots, then they're yeah. they can be decent. I mean, yeah. Likely's a pro. I mean, they got some guys, um, and they shot it okay. And Iowa State took their punch and then extended the lead late and closed it out. Now it got a little bit sideways at the end with the press, and Iowa State needs to handle it a little bit better. But right. I thought, by and large, a lot that you can take from that. And Solo's never given you twenty-seven again, probably this year. But he, they needed it. You know, what Iowa State did well that is the biggest drought buster, you can talk about drought busters, they got to the free throw line. Like 34 free throw attempts. And anytime you're getting 30-plus, you're going to be in good shape. And they made, I think, 29 of them. Yeah. Solo was great. And there's a couple ways to make your offense better. One, number one is make jump shots. Number two is get to the free throw line. Because Iowa State actually percentage-wise is a pretty good free throw shooting team. And, and they did that well. Defense wasn't great, again, but found a way offensively to put up 80, 89. Yeah, and I think that that's the, you know, you mentioned solo, and that was where I was going to go next. I mean, if that was not the best game of Solomon Young's life, then I would like to know what possibly ever could have been yeah. better. Because uh, the way that he played just as far as, I mean, and, you know, Steve Prohm talked about this on Monday, just he expects you to play with effort. And that was something that uh, that Fred Hoiberg really used to talk about, where he's not going to teach effort. He doesn't want right. to teach effort. That right. was a big Larry Brown thing that he would always quote. But uh, Solo has never necessarily lacked effort. I think the thing that at times we've – Solo has lacked urgency, if that makes sense, sure. like a sense of urgency. Yep. And in this game on Tuesday night, it seemed like he really played with a sense of urgency where he's running the floor really hard. Um, he's he's posting up with a physicality that I don't think we'd seen from him in a while. And you're right, we're not going to get 27 from Solo on every night. You you just can't expect that because he was still a guy who played 77 games before Tuesday night in an Iowa State uniform, and I think had averaged like six points a game. Yep. And so he is what he is to an extent. But when you can, if he can play like that, he can be a double digit guy for you every night. And having a guy like that too opens things up for where. He can kick it back out to Rajir Bolton. Rajir Bolton can start playing downhill. Who he sh- he shot the ball pretty well. He did uh, very very well. I think he was four for six from three point range. He shot the ball well. It opens things up for Tyrese. Those that's what you know. You look at what they've done against some of these other teams. This to the Texas Techs, the Kansas, the Baylor's. Tyrese didn't play well against Kansas or Baylor. He played okay against Texas Tech. But it's a lot easier for those teams to put a lot of pressure on him yeah. when no one else can do it. anything. And and so that was the difference against Oklahoma State was that you saw Rajir Bolton play well, you saw Solo play well, and then in turn Tyrese plays well also. And if you can figure out a way to replicate that, the two guards have to play well. I mean, I think that those two are yeah. like givens. they got to play always well. Or but, knock on something Prentice starts yeah. to figure it out. And, right. 
But then, other yeah. than that, it's like, if you can just get whoever, whether it's George Condit or Mike Jacobson or Solo yep. or whoever, Zion Griffin, maybe even, if you can get those guys to play pretty well, then you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win more often than not. Yeah, for sure. And I was looking at the conference numbers today, and surprisingly, Iowa State's offensive numbers are still upper half of the conference. Yeah. Which says a couple things. I think number one is the uh, the Big 12 as a whole offensively is not very good. It's a bad this year. league. Yeah. yeah. Um, defensively, really, really good. And Iowa State's dead last in defense and not even really close. Right. So the point is, Iowa State has to be good on offense to win some of these games, and they were. And you're right. I mean, what Solomon did is he came in and had success early, and I think for him that's a big thing. And for all these guys is the confidence can be so fragile that a good start, when you make your first one, it really snowballs. And you've seen in the games I would say have struggled, other than Tyrese, these guys are really confident. I mean, if Rasheer Bolton makes his first shot, it's going to be a good game for him. Mm-hmm. Look at, look at yeah. the Tuesday. He was made his first three, and it's like, all right, I feel good. Right. If he doesn't, sometimes you they start to think, and the, largely they're young guys um, that 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 feel that feed off confidence, and you know that's it was nice for Solo something good to happen because then he just he's, that urgency was better. He always plays hard, but there's a difference in playing hard and kind of being productive. Yeah, and it, and it felt like he wanted the ball. He was going to be in the right spot. He was really. I mean, you're a former Pulse guy, not quite as big as Solo. Yeah. But he was moving his guy out of there. So right. Give me the ball. I'm going to do something with it. And because of the way that teams are defending Iowa State and taking away Tyrese, there's opportunity there for somebody who wants to bury the Pulse guy. And he took advantage of some average Pulse defenders in Oklahoma State. And that was that was great to see. But yeah, Iowa State can can make some things happen. They've got some capable guys. It's just they all have to be on the same page. See, and that's the reality, too, is that when you play Baylor or you play, uh, when you play Kansas or, you know, Texas Tech even, you're going to have a guy who's a much more physical presence in Correct. the lane than what Oklahoma State had. Yeah. And I do think that that's probably a big part of the reason that they are have struggled. I mean, it doesn't help when you score 40 and 41 in back-to-back games like they did earlier in Big 12 play. But, uh, I mean, I think right now, you know, you look at this next stretch that Iowa State's got coming up where you go on the road to play uh, play an Auburn team who started out 15-0, lost two in a row. They lost, they won last night against uh, South, South Carolina, Carolina. Yep. so they're 16-2, top 20 team. Uh, you do that on the road, but then you got to come back home. You play against Baylor, who's the number one team in the country, will most likely be the number one team in the country again next week, assuming that they win on Saturday down in Gainesville, which... I don't know. I bet it'll be a tough yeah, game. A but tough game. It, man, this this Baylor team. They I, are good. I know. I told you this. Yep. I don't remember if uh, we talked about it on the air, but that team, man, like they got something about them. Yeah, they're the mix of veteranness, uh, guys who have just played a lot of minutes, and the fact that they have played a lot together. That's a team that every game they go into, I legitimately think that they could win. Like that's a team that I think, if there's ever been one that you're like, man, they could go. Sixteen and two, seventeen and one in Big Twelve play. That might be it. I am. Uh, I. I. I think they're very solid. I think they're due to have a week two, week or two stretch where they. Oh, they probably will. That they're gonna. Yeah. Fall off a little bit, but and it, I actually think it presents a good opportunity for Iowa State. You know, this is the crazy thing. Can I make a hot take? Yeah. At six sixteen p.m. on Thursday, January twenty third, Iowa State wins one of the next two games. I think that I was thinking about that. That they, I mean Auburn. It's a tough place to go and play. Obviously, they went to the it Final is. Four last year, but they, they had to replace a totally different team. Had to replace year. a lot of guys from last year's team between Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. Yep. Uh, Okiki, isn't that his name? Yep. yep. He was sitting out for the. Well, he got hurt in the NCAA tournament, and the Magic yeah. took him in the first round. Yeah. Um, 
They're totally different. I mean, they're, they're leading scorer. They're, I mean, they have good players. Right. Okay. He's recruited you be good extremely well. Yes. Uh, but their leading scorer this year, their uh, guard, um, I'm spacing on his name, but he was a, a six-point-a-game guy last year. Like they, they've done a good job of, of filling in the gaps. But I think, I think they end up finishing middle of the pack in the SEC. Now, great record now, living off a of last little bit. Yeah, and they're 16 and two. They really haven't had a great, great win. They've been very good. But I think there's an opportunity there. I think Iowa State's going to be less than a 10-point underdog. Mm-hmm. And I think when Baylor comes to town, even though they're first ranked, that point spread, honestly, it's going to be in the three to five region. Right. So, but that that but no, I know. We also know who their head coach is and what he does. I, and yes. Coliseum. But point is that you're not. This isn't like, uh, you know, Kansas from no, 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 08 no, no, coming no. into Hilton, where you're like, no. well, we got no chance. Like, the, there's going to be opportunities here, and Iowa State still has Tyrese Halliburton, who when he plays like he did Tuesday, and Bolton plays like he does Tuesday, I was thinking. Can really honestly, they can beat anybody. Now, they, a lot has to go right for that to happen, but this isn't just totally outclassed yeah. because the the top of college basketball is not as high as it has been. See, and I'm, I don't want to say like I don't want people to think I was predicting you know Baylor to go sixteen and two. I understand. But I, I'm saying from all the Baylor teams of yeah, the past, did of, they of all the Baylor teams in the past? Yeah. I mean, even of like other teams in the league, completely. There's I agree. So many of those of the teams that have won the league, especially the Kansas ones. I mean, the reason that it was like that they could win the league at thirteen and five one was partially because of everybody else, uh, because everybody else beat each other up so bad. Yeah. But then two, it's like you could go thirteen and five, and the reason you even lost some of those five is because guys like Andrew Wiggins wouldn't show up on a given night, or Ben McLemore wouldn't show True. up on a given given night. True. But that's what you can expect from freshmen when you've got guys who, when you're like top eight, and six of them are. Or six or seven are juniors, redshirt juniors, or seniors, or guys who have been playing a lot of basketball in the Big Twelve. Like at that point, you're like, man, like these guys don't have that where like they just aren't really ready to go on a given night. They always know what they what they're going to face and they're going to be ready to play. You know, this is a weird comparison, but they actually remind me a lot of Eustachie's Iowa State his his good two Iowa State teams were. veteran teams, senior laden teams that just were tough and. You know, those Iowa State teams weren't ever great offensively, and Baylor isn't either. I mean, they're, they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really they where they beat you is with toughness and defense and showing up every night. And that's how Larry's teams with, with Jamal and, you know, Cantrell Horton and Michael Nurse and obviously Pfizer was a transcendent talent. But even the next year without him, they beat teams because they just wanted it more. And right. the, the Baylor, Baylor's got a lot of that. I give Scott Drew a lot of credit. I know we've spent a decade on this fanatic network right. kind of, Giving the guy some grief, but I never once have. He well, I have never once. I will fully admit that he was not, you know, and he's grown into a yeah. a pretty good. He's top he, level coach now. I mean, if you think about it, like when he became the coach at Baylor, he probably had no business being the coach at Baylor. But they no, had no, nobody else wanted. Why would being, you want that job? Being the coach at a at a big at a Big Twelve school, I should probably be the way I would say that. Not the coach at Baylor, because when he got there, they couldn't get anybody. You yeah. know, like that that was a disaster. And he has grown with his program, and I think that I think what Baylor is right now almost is going to be kind of a prototype of what college basketball is going to become. And we we talked about yeah, this we I think last week. Yep. It's like they're going to be a prototype just because like more and more guys, unless you're really going to commit 
you're going to be Kansas, or uh, you're going to be Kentucky, you're going to be Duke. You really commit to like getting the one and dones and turning your roster over every single year and those kinds of things. I think that those kinds of teams are the ones that are going to end up having the most success. And I looked, I was looking on Ken Palm uh, on Monday ahead of that game against Oklahoma State, and the thing that is, if you look at the top ten on Ken Palm, the five of them ranking like the bottom 300 in experience. And then the other five all rank in the top hundred. Interesting. So it's like there's, yeah, one or the other. There, it's either one or the other. Yep. You either commit to one thing where it's like we're going to be all out on the freshmen and all out on guys who have never played together, or we're going to go all in on really trying to build a core and really put that like try and have that core grow together. And as they grow together, then they get better and better. And it's like Kansas State last year. Yep, was going to say that. That was a tough team or a bad team, you know, when those guys were freshmen. Yeah, but they, they, got they took their lumps and they kept getting better, kept getting better, and it was just. That's what those the programs like Baylor, the programs like Kansas State, the programs like, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm not, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on another one that yeah. Iowa State, I think, even could probably, could it, man, I think even Iowa is, to, is like this. Iowa's a good example. And yeah. uh, it's where they get a group of guys, and you're going to take your lumps, and you might go to the tournament three out of four years, but... You know, there's going to be that one year that's a little bit down, and you kind of got to turn over your over your core. But you know that they're going to grow together, and then by the time that they're done, by the time they're seniors, they've got an opportunity to do something really special. And that's why I think this Baylor team—they're going to compete to win the national championship. If if Scott Drew was cutting down the nets and going to the Final Four, it would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, and I mean, there's—I I gave you a lot there. No, uh, was, yeah, yeah. college basketball such such a strange year that I mean, you could. You could tell me one of thirty teams are going to win, and I'm like, oh, probably, yeah, makes sense. You're, and kudos to them for building that roster, and they really haven't had anybody transfer out. Some of it was like by necessity. It like is. Tristan Clark got hurt. Yep, guys got hurt. Things like that where well, they had to sit that, out for a year. Or and stuff. they've had, all, I mean, they've redshirted more guys, I think, than any other program. Right. right. Just for whatever reason, either developmental or, or injury wise, and it's and it's worked out. And they've they've hit on some good transfers. Not notable one. Like, Macy Oteague wasn't really a notable one. They got Mitchell from Auburn, who didn't play a whole lot there, but he's come in and sat out a year and got better, and they're in a good spot because of it. And I think it, I think that's the toughest part for a program now is roster construction, is yeah. you have to be super thoughtful because Iowa State right now is almost stuck in, in, in the middle of they've gotten really good. They've actually recruited maybe as well as they ever have high school-wise, but then... We were talking about it today. Um, they could have three of those four guys from that good, that good Chicago class, yeah, the right? 2018 class, the 2018 yeah. class, declare early potentially. Yeah, I mean, Condit still has a ways to go, but he was in a mock draft today for next year. Yeah, um, but you did, you didn't expect that when you recruited those guys, and so you're you don't have them for four or five years like a Baylor that develops them. So when you're 23 years old and you're playing 18 year olds, you're going to be an advantage. And Iowa has never gotten these super elite level people like a Kansas or Kentucky gets, and so you're kind of stuck in the middle, and that's a tough place to be. And, oh, by the way, everybody else is taking transfers now, too, so you don't have that that market efficiency that Fred had. And so it makes it a tough spot. So, yeah, I mean, Baylor Baylor's in a good place, but who's not to say, I think, any more in college basketball? You know, K-State had their cycle, now they're down. Um, I think Oklahoma State, the way they recruited, yeah. could be on the up. So you, you just kind of find your spot, but... Taking it back to this year, Iowa State. I think once they get through this next two, then it really opens up. And you know, I was looking at some expected win things, and still not probably good enough to make an NCAA tournament. But I think the projection right now is seven eleven in the conference. Right. 
but you're going to have a lot of those spreads from, you know, one to five points. There's going to be a lot of swing games in there. We know K-State's down. They're not very good. We saw Oklahoma State, you know, not great. Um, we saw Oklahoma already. We know TCU's not great. Can get them at home. There's a lot of opportunity here. For, Texas is not very good. We know West Virginia's good, but I still think I still think that despite Iowa State's record at 2-4 and four in the conference, there's still some chance to, you know, roll it out and see what happens. You still have two-thirds of the season left in the Big 12. Yeah, was, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the problem for them is that, like, to go even and be in the conversation to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's probably a stretch. Yeah, I mean, they'd have to go. They'd probably. What? I mean, they'd have to win, like, seven out of uh, of their last, like, 16. I mean, they have, I, to, have win, to be more because they've, they've got to be 500, above 500. Yeah, so they would have to. And they, they're 500 they gotta, right now. They have to get to 10 wins in the conference to be on the bubble. Right. So that And they're 2-4, and four, so what would that be? They'd have to go 8-4. Eight and, eight and four. Yeah. When you still got to go to Allen Fieldhouse, <laughs> uh, yes. got to go to, and you have West Virginia twice. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know. It's going to be difficult to get there, but I, I think they've at least gotten over. That's. I keep going back. We feel totally different about this team right now. If the A and M game and the TCU game have different outcomes, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, you're listening to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 and 1460 KXNO. Cyclone Fanatics, the job world is a competitive place, and at all times you need to dress for success. This is exactly why you should stop into Mr. B Clothing down at 1995 Northwest 86th Street in Clive and see my buddy Tim Sitzman. Now, Mr. B Clothing is a longtime supporter of CycloneFanatic.com, but is also unmatched when it comes to the men's clothing game in Des Moines. The Mr. B staff is friendly, fun, they're very knowledgeable, and trust me, these guys will get you looking good for that next job interview, wedding, or just your everyday wardrobe. When you stop into Mr. B Clothing, be sure to tell them thank you for supporting CycloneFanatic.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here for Des Moines Eye Care and Ames Eye Care. I care for the entire family conveniently located throughout Central Iowa. I've been up to Ames Eye Care a couple of times now to see Dr. Kruger. You've all heard me tell you about how he looked at me for like 30 minutes. Actually, it didn't even take that long. And he's like, dude, I know why you're having headaches. It's because you stare at your computer for 15 hours a day. Wear these glasses. It'll help. And it has. Actually, it's completely changed my life. Now, I'm a dad. Got a four-year-old. She's got some eye problems herself. And you know where I'm going to take her? Yeah, that's right. Ames Eye Care. Des Moines Eye Care. Family Eye Care. They can help you guys, too. Check them out today. DesMoinesEyeCare.com. AmesEyeCare.com. And tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. For the second straight year, Whiskey River, located in Ankeny's Prairie Trail District, is the home of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show for the Iowa State Athletic season. Whether it's a Saturday night out with the bros or lunch with the family, Whiskey River and Ankeny's great food, drinks, and friendly service makes it the perfect spot for any occasion. Whiskey River's wall-to-wall TVs make it the perfect place to watch football, baseball, and every sport in between. Plus, you can always join the Cyclone Fanatic staff to talk Cyclone sports on Thursday nights from 6 to 7 at Whiskey River in Ankeny. It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. 
This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Hello, fanatics. Chris Williams. I want to tell you today about the Forever True for Iowa State campaign, a historic initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation to raise donations that will help benefit every aspect of the university. Cyclones everywhere are helping reach the unprecedented $1.5 billion goal. Yes, the cyclone spirit is a force to be reckoned with. More than 81,000 donors have given to the campaign thus far, including over 27,000 first-time donors. So far, these donors have gifted more than $1.2 billion. The cyclone energy is truly unstoppable. The campaign has achieved an amazing amount of success thanks to gifts of every size. The impact is seen all across campus, too, from the South End Zone Club to the North End Zone Construction to the thousands of students who receive scholarship support. You can learn more at forevertrueisu.com because the world needs more Cyclone Spirit. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Wolf. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and don't forget about this. So you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. Welcome back. It's the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO FM and 1460 KXNO AM. Jerry Sansbury and Brent Bloom. We're just going to be with you here for just a, coach a few more moments, and then we'll be joined by George Wares, the head coach of the Central Softball Team, talked about some coaching and just some different things about athletes in, in 2020 that I, I think are, are really interesting, and I think that our audience will, will really enjoy it. So... Uh, we do need to give one one last shout out to our friends at Carl Chevrolet. If you're looking to buy a newer pre-owned, pre-owned vehicle, I uh, I've never wanted to buy a truck more than the past week. Yeah, this is the my, time for a truck. My sedan is just did not operate very well, even in Ankeny. Yeah, like the intersections get tough. What's the slush, man? The slush is people were making fun of me. I actually had to. I, I think it was a Chevrolet guy got out of his car to push me. Seriously? Yeah. My gosh, I know. We need to get this man a truck. Well, you need to stop I, on down to Carl Chevrolet. Or maybe, maybe I can just, you know, I don't know if I can go all in. Yeah. Maybe I can just get like that, the crossover SUV. I need four wheel drive though. There you go. You can check them out. You can look on, look at their inventory on CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletSteward.com. Uh, they're great supporters of Cyclone Fanatic. We're very appreciative of everything they do for us. Thanks, man, for coming in and talking some hoops for I a few think, minutes. I think I think I was going to surprise us this week. I, I think do. so too. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's on Saturday, but maybe next Wednesday. Maybe next Wednesday. I'm hopeful, and I, you know, get get one of these next two, and then 
Yeah. Let's see what happens. It would really help the resume, and I don't know. I don't think college basketball is great. So you can get on the bubble. Maybe you can yeah. make it happen. We'll see. We'll talk to George Wares, head coach of the Central Softball team, when we come back on the Cycle Fanatic Radio program on 106.3 KXNO. What does it mean to you that Carl Chevrolet is the number one five-star platinum GM certified pre-owned dealer in Iowa? It means continued commitment to excellence. You can purchase your next GM certified pre-owned vehicle from the best. And our platinum quality and care means you never have to worry, period. We don't just rubber stamp your car certified. We'll show you over 172 reasons why. Our success is due to our constant process of doing things right and above GM standards every day for every customer. Come experience why more people in the nation drive one of our certified vehicles than any other GM dealer. Integrity, trust, satisfaction, and confidence. Find new roads at carlchevrolet.com. Carl Chevrolet, I-35, exit 90, in Ankeny, at The Rock. Your dealer for life, Carl Chevrolet. Hey, fanatics, it's Chris Williams here wanting to tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart. Did you know they moved into that new location? It's located at 156 in Hickman, still in Clive. What does this mean for you? Well, there's a beautiful new showroom. It's got all of your appliances, your audio and video needs, flooring needs, top-of-the-line appliances. I actually, wife and I bought a couple of those LG washer and dryers from there. We love them. Flooring, they did our floor. Lowest price in town, guaranteed. They've doubled their warehouse capacity. That means more in-stock items than ever. Come out and see the store in Clive. Meet with their highly trained and friendly sales staff. Whether you're updating your current home, building a new one, Nebraska Furniture Mart has what you're looking for. Head on out. See my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. You'll be very happy that you did. Hey guys, it's letting you know about Mechdyne IT Help Desk Services. Started by Iowa State graduates and diehard Cyclone fanatics over 22 years ago. Mechdyne's onshore team of U.S.-based experts provide quality IT support around the clock. After hours, IT support can be hit and miss, but Mechdyne offers a lot more than just answering service during your non-core hours. You'll actually receive the same level of IT support no matter what time of day you contact them. They space out your organization's IT team from those routine support tasks so that you can focus on growing your business. As a trusted consultant, bringing fresh ideas and cost-effective solutions to many day-to-day headaches of routine IT user support, check out mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Hi, this is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. For over 25 years, I've taken care of ISU athletes and am an official team physician of Iowa State athletes. I'm a proud supporter of Cyclone Nation. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleagues Dr. Buck and Dr. Warmy and I for extraordinary sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for 
Well, basically, since I moved up here, so we're pushing a decade now, Dr. Nicholson in Ankeny is my go-to guy, but I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff, and you know why I need to go see the specialist? Because I'm a man, and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls, I want to be able to walk them down the aisle, I want to be there to hold their babies and be a grandpa someday. Be a man. Go to the doctor. iowaclinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. When it comes time for my friends and I to decide where we'll watch college football on a Saturday night, there's no better choice than Whiskey River in Ankeny. Whiskey River is the home of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show again for the 2018 season and is the perfect spot for your get-together of all ages. Whiskey River's great food, satisfying drinks, friendly staff, and wall-to-wall TVs make deciding where to go a no-brainer for any situation. And don't forget, you can always join the Cyclone Fanatic staff on Thursday nights from 6 to 7 at Whiskey River in Ankeny. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show on Des Moines Sports Station, uh, 1460 KXNO AM, 106.3 KXNO FM. Joined now here on the program by Central Softball Coach George Wares. If you listen to the Sports Fanatics from 4 to 6 every day, then you'll know who Coach Wares is already, but uh, this will be your first time on the Cyclone Fanatics Show. So welcome, Coach. Thanks a lot, Jarek. I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's kind of nice to have somebody besides Chris and Ross asking questions, all kidding aside. You know, it's, it's always fun to be with them, and uh, you and I have talked uh, about some different topics, so it's, it's fun to talk to you now on the air. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, we've just kind of talked about uh, coaching and athletes and things like that in the in today's age, and, and that's kind of what the conversation will be about um, tonight. And um, you know, I think the the thing that makes you so interesting is obviously you've been at, at Central for a long time, and you've had to kind of adapt with the, the times, obviously. And uh, I don't say that to to date you or anything like that, but uh, just how there's there's obviously been a lot of changes in society and uh, in the time since you've been at um, been at Central, and I and that's kind of what my first question is: is just how have things changed the most? from your perspective when it comes to um, developing relationships with athletes and how have you kind of seen athletes change in your time as a coach? Yeah, you know, we get asked that quite a bit. And by the way, it's okay to date me. Everybody that knows me understands anyway. But, you know, I'm a little different in, in my approach to this. Obviously, there are differences. And when I think back to the athletes I first coached uh, way back in the late 80s, early 90s, and then the, the changes of 2000, 2010, and now, you know, we're starting a new decade. And, you know, you can't deny that everybody's different because of how parents brought them up, what society has uh, that they have to deal with. And obviously in today's group, you've got the social media. Uh, I find that when we're recruiting kids, if I need to talk to somebody, it's much easier uh, to send them a text uh, versus a call because uh, they'll respond quicker to that. And then we'll talk about a time to call them. And I, th- I think it's a situation where when you're talking to today's athlete, they seem more reluctant to, to look you in the eyes because they're used to operating on a little different plane in terms of how they're going to communicate with people and not, not in a bad way. That's just what they are. But, but I, but I guess I'll say one thing that never changes and you have to adapt, but it comes down to relationships that you develop. And, you know, as coaches, we have to adjust how we're going to develop that personal relationship with the athlete that we're going to coach. And it starts during the recruiting process. And even though each generation is different, uh, you have to develop a trust in them, them a trust in you. You do that by being honest. You do that by having direct conversations. Uh, you don't want anybody to come to your school without uh, 
knowing uh, a pretty having a pretty good idea of what you're like and your coaches are like and vice versa and sometimes if they end up not coming uh, or you end up saying hey you know what this might not be a great fit it's not a right or wrong it's just exactly that it might not be a fit somewhere else so I think it's all about the personal relationships and that continues as we move forward into uh, the actual coaching of those people for the four years that we have them that's one thing that I'm you know I think it, I've thought about before because I you know I played uh, I played one year of, of college basketball and I I hate to tell you this coach but I'm a, a Simpson guy so um, I already knew that yeah, so you know yeah. if, if there were any hard feelings I'd have said no to the interview so, so we're good we're good <laughs> all right that's good I I did uh, Central was my was my second choice so uh, they they were right up there too but um, well we all make mistakes yeah you know, so I, I get can, I, I didn't last there so obviously I, <laughs> I it didn't work out too well but uh, the the thing that is interesting to me, just the way that things have changed since that was in 2012 when I was really getting recruited in, um, the way that it seems like now, you know, especially like at that at the Division three level, it's probably easier for you guys to, you know, target athletes and find athletes that maybe are coming from, you know, coming from places like where I where I'm from and down in Southwest Iowa, and uh, it seemed like back at that time. You know, social media was really just starting to kind of get going. Twitter was really starting to uh, to, to catch on, and um, now it's like if you're a good athlete, you know, your name is all over the place, and it doesn't matter where you're from or anything like that. Is have you noticed that that it's easier to find um, maybe some some diamonds in the rough or things like that that can kind of fall through the cracks to the Division three level than maybe it was previously because of some of those things that have changed. Sorry, this is off of the script that I sent you, but that was just something I thought about while you were talking. Yeah, real quick. I, I do think that's fair. Uh, you know, there there's so many different ways for athletes to get their name out there now. So it's easier to come uh, in contact with them by watching videos of them, and you know, their exposure uh, is way more increased than it was a few years ago, or definitely more than it was 10, 20 years ago. Um, that's a good and a bad. I think the good side is we do have more availability to different people, and we can find, as you said, uh, the diamond in the rough. The, the bad thing is that I think it makes all kids because some more along the line they're being helped by different people and mm -hmm. if those people are uh, not necessarily honest with the athlete I think it gives them a false sense of where they can fit and how good they are and where they're able to play and then that's something we as coaches have to deal with because um, I, I think a lot of athletes I mean this respectfully there are a lot of really good ones but everybody seems to be a little oversold and a little overhyped today and they're told from a much younger age today just how good they are and that makes it a little more difficult for them than to buy into the culture culture that most good programs have and that's a um, team first uh, me second type uh, philosophy and that's just not where a lot of them come from today is that something that you guys really look for in the recruiting process is like when you have conversation with people that you can kind of pick up on it's like okay this person is like very down to earth they understand who they are what they are as an athlete things like that and they, they're not going to come in here thinking like oh you know, I'm showing up, I'm going to start at shortstop as a freshman or something like that. And it's like, they are just like very self-aware of who they are and not like coming in with an overhyped idea of, of what they are. You can definitely tell that. And, you know, if the parents are with them in the first initial meetings, you can kind of get a little feel for what it's all about with them as well. And it doesn't really matter where they are. If, if you feel like it's a little bit negative, as long as you are honest and bring it up to them and say, hey, this is what I'm picking up. And if it's true, it may be harder for you to be able to function in what we're trying to get here. And they may be willing to change it. If they weren't self-aware, you help them become more self-aware of it. And I think it's also important for them to realize we're not asking them to 
to to not be goal oriented, to not say they want to be the starting shortstop, starting point guard at a basketball team, whatever it might be. But you have to understand that there are going to be a lot of other people that are going to be trying to do the same thing, and eventually you're going to have to accept your role uh, where it is. And I think that goes back down to the initial statement I said. If you if you have any coach at any level. Uh, starting with the recruiting process during the and, and during the four years that you coach with those uh, or coach those players, uh, if you aren't developing the relationships, if there's not a mutual respect, if there's not a, a, an honesty, and sometimes that means uh, telling them some tough things about where they stand in terms of the pecking order of playing, uh, it, it's not going to work because the athletes are going to see through that very quickly, and and then all sorts of uh, you know problems tend to happen and. We, we, we try really hard to build a foundation that starts uh, like you're building a house and, and the foundation has to start with uh, trust. It has to start with a culture that is going to be uh, inclusive of those that want to be in it. That's going to help them not only become better players, but hopefully become uh, not, not, not that we're going to make them better people. Cause I don't think it's our job necessarily to do that, but we set an environment that allows them to use the tools that their parents have given them and, and what they have inside to become better better people and maybe more likely to be successful. Uh, we want them to have uh, not a relationship with us, but with each other, uh, a belief, a buy-in to what we're doing. And then when we have that, a lot of those other things that might happen during the four years that are tough to deal with, injuries, uh, two or three game losing streak, uh, whatever it might be that you know coaches talk about as, as adversity, you're more likely to get through it. I think a lot of coaches go backwards. They start playing the game uh, right away and they don't build the foundation that they need so that when you do have some tough times, you're high so to speak, or in this case, your team, so to speak, is still standing because you can get through it. So that's that's something that kind of prompted when you know when we first had the idea to do this, and that uh, I think you I can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but you know it was about I know it was about mental toughness, the ability to battle through adversity, and things like that. And that that's something that's always been really interesting to me. And it's like there's there's a lot of athletes out there who are supremely talented, um, and you know had. They've always been really good, you know, because of the fact, especially at lower levels, they probably have always won uh, because of the fact that they're really good. But then when you get onto a stage like you would at the college level or, you know, obviously there's a percentage of athletes that get that are blessed enough to go on and play professionally. The one the thing that kind of sets the, the great ones apart is your ability to continue to succeed in the tough moments or uh, to continue to battle through that adversity and, and, and rise to the occasion of some of those things. Is that something that in in recruiting, um, in you know, kind of uh, developing whatever your your recruiting board might be, is that something that you can recognize in those moments? Is it's like you see an athlete, and even if maybe it's an athlete that isn't quite to that same elite talent level, but there's someone that you look at, and it's like that person is really mentally strong, very mentally tough, uh, and and you know that when things get tough for them, they're going to continue to to elevate their play. Yeah, I think you can see a lot of things. Uh, you can obviously, if we're, if we're talking softball, you can see what a pitcher has in terms of their physical ability. And then as you talk to them and maybe watch them perform at a high school game or a travel ball game, you can kind of see how they respond to different things, whether it's uh, umpires that are squeezing them or whether it's uh, giving up a, a key base hit in a key moment and, and how they respond to that. And and then whatever they have, though, I think it's very, very important uh, to distinguish uh, – 
and again, I'm trying to sometimes say an average coach, that's very good. And then you start moving maybe toward the great to elite coaches and they have the ability to develop. And, and I think a lot of coaches, they look at an athlete and they say, whatever you are, that's what you are. And we, they plug it into what they think that they can be in their program immediately. I think a lot of coaches, though, that uh, have had a lot of success will look at what they think the athlete can become. And that includes the mental part. You know, you talked about the word talent and I differentiate uh, I, I have a different meaning for that word to me that a lot of people use that as physical skill they'll say this player is very very talented but and then you see them kind of fold in key moments and they just can't perform when they have to and to me that's not a talented player that's simply a player that has physical skill but they haven't learned how to use that physical skill which probably is because of something that's going on between their head so a talented player is always going to succeed I mean you're going to have a, a, a game where you're not quite as good as you normally are uh, but a talented player will always do well because they understand their physical skill. They're self-aware of what they can do and what they can't do. And they know how to handle moments that don't go quite the way they want them to uh, during the course of a game. And I think you do that by by practicing those things. Uh, if we use uh, basketball as an example and, and a player is struggling to shoot free throws uh, and a coach walks by and makes a comment, you're, you're struggling to shoot free throws and then walks away from that kid and doesn't give them any ideas or suggestions on how to help them, that's pretty poor coaching. They've identified the problem, but they haven't really helped them with it. Well, the same thing is true on the mental side of it. So if you're running a practice and all of a sudden you're, you're one player, a, a player that you're counting on loses focus. You know, you hear that word a lot in the coaching profession. Come on, stay in the moment, get focused. And, and you walk by the kid and you just yell at them and say, you need to stay focused. And you walk away from them. That's just as bad a coaching as if you talk to the kid about the free throws and don't help them because most athletes don't lose focus intentionally. There's a reason that they have moments where they just kind of, for lack of a better phrase, just kind of space out and they're, they're no longer there. And we have to find a way to get them back and help them to get them back, help them get themselves back. And, and so you develop a player between the ears, you develop a player physically, you develop a player in terms of their ability to accept being a part of the team. And that's all the process, uh, part of the process that you're trying to do moving forward with different players yeah and that's that's something that you know when I think of of coaches who are really able to do that or have, have exhibited an ability to do that recently that's something that I think has has always kind of drawn me to specifically Chris Beard at Texas Tech um, where you know he has taken some guys who came in as you know good players I, I mean I think you can look at like Jarrett Culver specifically who was a, a really you know, he was a he was a highly recruited guy, but not like a guy that you looked at and it's like that dude's gonna be a one and done or something like that. And he has been able to consistently develop these people and and you see them in one or two years go from being, you know, three high three star or low four star type recruits then to all of a sudden being lottery picks in the NBA draft and and that's how he's been able to have so much success so quickly. And, and that's what like sets those kinds of coaches apart where they, they really like rise to the top so fast. And that's what, um, you know, you see a lot of coaches who, who have a great deal of success and things like that, but it's like, it's been like a really slow burn or something, or, uh, you know, they never are able to really get like over the top or things like that. But that's like Chris Beard, you know, three years 
he takes Texas Tech from being an automatic win on the Big 12 schedule to playing for the national championship. And that's just like what, that's what I've always seen from him is he's like, it's like, man, he brings people in, he develops them and he instills this mentality in them of like, we're going to be junkyard dogs and things like that. And like, that to me is what draws me so much to him. Like he seems like he's at the top of his profession. Do you, have you kind of seen that from him as a coach too? Yeah. And to piggyback off of that. Uh, and again, I don't know these gentlemen at all. So right, it's kind of right. like I'm, I'm observing what I'm seeing, but if I use beard at Texas tech and, and, uh, 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 Shaka, um, I'm losing his name smart, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, Shaka smart. smart at Texas. And, and here's how I differentiate between the two. Beard, at least up to this point, has done a tremendous job of getting players. Uh, he's got some great talent in terms of physical skill, but he's really got them to buy into the way they want to play. And, and there's a we aren't going to lose type mentality. And if you look at Smart, when he was at Virginia Tech, uh, not Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia, VCU. Yeah, VCU. There you go, VCU. It, the way they play with kind of the reckless abandon as far as pressing and trying to do that at Texas probably isn't going to be as successful because of who he's getting at Texas. Those were kind of under the radar kids he got at VCU and they wanted to play at that level and they would almost do anything he said because this is how we're going to win. And he's trying to do the same thing at Texas. So I think on the outside looking in, he's not really getting players to buy in uh, and he's probably getting maybe better talent in some ways than uh, you have at Texas Tech. But Beard is just done a tremendous job of getting everybody on board now now he's he created a monster you know and, and once you get to that point it becomes really really difficult it's, it's much easier to climb up the mountain than it is to stay at the top of it and and we'll see how that goes for the next couple of years you know when you get second in the country uh, the standard is completely different than what they used to have at texas tech but but i do think how you get that and again i have no idea what their practices are like at those two schools but i'm going to guess if you look at the texas tech practice uh, since that's who we were talking about it it's probably something like this and i would guess the practices uh you know excuse my language are, are to a degree a little bit of hell and by that i mean you have to make your practice i'm not just talking about physically here i'm not just talking about working players hard or yelling at them you have to make your practices extremely difficult and set your players up for failure so if a player gets to a nine which is awfully good and then they start feeling really good about that you have to find a way to get them to a nine one and nine two and and you do that by simply continue to raise the bar and then you also make the mental part of it extremely tough example might be uh, if we have a pitcher that's really really good we're going to bring an umpire in and we're telling that umpire to basically pinch them not give them a call and see how they respond to that and everything's within the safety of our practice and once they fail we try to find a way to help them through that failure so when they get into a game there's really nothing that they haven't done because we've tried to put so much on them in a practice setting and I think a lot of coaches go the other way. They, they make practices a little too easy. They maybe uh, don't practice what they preach in terms of saying we're going to be a great rebounding team. Then if you watch their practices, they spend about five minutes on rebounding. We're going to be a really mentally tough team and we're going to work on mental training within practice. Yet if you go watch them, an hour and 55 minutes of the two-hour practice is all about drills and shooting and they spend about five minutes. And So basically they're lying to their team and they're lying to themselves because they're not doing what they say they're going to do. And I think you need to really 
increase expectations of players, expectations of yourself, your staff, and then you really want to make sure you're very uh, selective in terms of giving praise. You know, you got back to the original question about players of today. Everybody wants the blue ribbon and everybody wants to be told they're doing a good job. I think we actually overuse that. If somebody's really hustling in 30 minutes and they're just busting their tail off in the basketball practice going up and down the floor, I don't think that deserves a compliment because that's what you're supposed to do. If somebody does it for 30 minutes and 35 and 36 and they're chasing balls out of bounds and trying to save a ball out of bounds when they haven't had any chance to get on the court, you know, they're really not a player in terms of playing time, that probably deserves a blue ribbon. So I think we've got to be careful when we give uh, credit and we do it way too soon sometimes, too often, and that kind of hurts the psyche a little bit when we're trying to coach them. This is my, my last thing. This this time has gone by really fast. Because that's just because I think that this stuff's really interesting to talk about. But is there is there on some level kind of a fine line with that, though, too, of it's like, you know, with certain kids maybe where you, you try and push them to a certain point and then it's like they get to that and then it can almost hurt them? I mean, I don't even know if the be- that's like the best way to ask the question. I'm, like, I'm trying to think, but it's like uh, you know, sometimes you it's like, okay, we're really going to push this person to battle through adversity and that it almost can like break them. Does that make sense? Like, do you understand kind of what I'm asking? Yep, it makes perfect sense. I think the best way I can answer it is the worst thing we can do as coaches, uh, and I'm talking at the college level, but I think it would apply probably at the high school level as well. The worst thing we can do is to treat each player the same. And so we have to understand that when we coach, we coach from uh, our own perspective. So you know, how I was coached way, way back and, and how I connected with uh, my teammates and, you know, how my parents responded to me, all those things that kind of helped make me what I am. Then obviously I had mentors and I go to clinics and all that kind of stuff myself. And then I have to realize that I have to be self-aware. So for me, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know, it, it's like I'm I'm really energetic. Uh, I, I do uh, maybe yell a little bit more than some other coaches do, but I know who I am. But I have, have to realize that if I do me all the time, there are going to be uh, 50% of the players that are going to respond perfectly well to that and another 50% that may struggle with that. So when I say the worst thing we can do is treat all players the same, is every player that we get as a freshman, at age 18 and they go through their journey until they're senior at age 22, the path to get to where we want them to go, both on the field or on the court, whatever sport we're talking about, and eventually whatever we're going to do in life, they all have the same goals in mind in terms of what, but how they get there is going to be different. And so I have to be able to develop, it goes back to the very beginning, you develop a personal relationship with player one and you develop a personal relationship with player two. You go down to the practice field and player one makes the exact same mistake as player two. If I know based on my relationship with player one, the best thing to do with player one is basically go up behind them and verbally bark at them and yell at them because I know that's how they're going to respond. Player two, it would completely destroy them at the point of development that they're at. So I might go to player two, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, come on, you're better than that and walk away from them. And if I did it the other way to each individual and it was the wrong approach, you're right, I might lose them for a short period of time, if not longer than that. So I think a lot of coaches try too hard to treat everybody equally. And that's the worst thing we can do because all of us as humans are different. You've got to be able to tap into what makes each player kind of click and figure out what motivates them. You don't motivate a team. That's a myth. They say this coach is a real good motivator. All you do is excite them temporarily. You motivate them by spending time with them 
time, one-on-one, what makes them tick, what's important to them, why are you doing this, how is the process important to you. And when you do that, you can do a lot of things to help them get better, and they'll take a lot from you because they know how much you care about them. Definitely. All right. Thanks, Coach, for taking some time to, to talk with us. We appreciate you, and, uh, and we'll have to have you back on again to, uh, sometime when we, can, when we can maybe talk a little bit more. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Church. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We will be back again next week here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO AM and 106.3 KXNO FM. want to give one last shout-out to our friends at Mechdyne and then our friends at Carl Chevrolet. You can check them out, carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. And we will talk to you guys again, same time, same place, right here next week on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Thanks, you know.